If you're like most nonprofit leaders and managers, you probably came into your role with little to no training on what it takes to lead and manage people well. So many organizations don't have the resources or worse, don't see the value in providing training and development opportunities for leaders. For today's episode, we're focusing on some common issues that may be holding you back as a leader, along with our tips for overcoming these challenges so that you can inspire and support your team in the important work you're doing. Welcome to the Nothing But Major Gifts podcast from Veritas Group, featuring Richard Perry and Jeff Schreifels. Twice a month, we bring you the latest and best thinking about major gift fundraising, so you can develop authentic relationships with your major donors. Here are your hosts, Richard and Jeff. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm Jeff Schreifels, and today I've got Karen Kendrick with me to talk about one of the most important topics related to the success of your relational fundraising work, how to be a great leader and manager. I can't tell you how many times we've worked with or talked to a great fundraiser who's really passionate about their work and committed to their donors, yet they're frustrated and struggle because of bad leadership and management within the organization. And I say leadership and management because managers are leaders in the organization. So today we're not talking about the executive director who helps lead on the vision of the organization. I mean, that's important, obviously, but we're talking today about those who directly manage frontline fundraisers. Whether you're a director or VP of development who has the direct responsibility for your department and you have to manage your fundraising staff. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. It you know, it's really disappointing to hear stories about bad leaders and managers, but it's even harder about how often we hear from leaders who have never gotten the training or support um, that they need to do the job well. And Jeff, maybe I'm off base here, but I think leaders sometimes think that simply because they've been placed in a leadership position or a management position and have learned a lot, you know, in all their other roles, that they're supposed to somehow know what they're doing and be ready to roll. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, wanting to hide the fact that you don't know what you're doing because you think you're supposed to know what you're doing. And that's so exhausting mm-hmm. and takes energy and is not really real, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm here today to say, give yourself a break. <laughs> no one steps into a role and doesn't have a ton to learn. So the exciting and beautiful thing about leadership is that it, it's an incredible opportunity to learn and grow individually and professionally, which we can get into later. So Jeff, I know we've worked with a lot of leaders and managers over the years. So what are some of the common issues you see that cause them to be ineffective? That's a really good question. So I would say the first thing is they don't have the trust of their people. So many managers, um, they haven't uh, built up that trust. They haven't done what they said they're going to do. And so their team doesn't fully know that they can count on them. And so having not having trust is number one. Um, another one is they micromanage their people. So, you know, Richard has always been big on managing by objectives, meaning here are the objectives. And instead of micromanaging every little thing that they do, it's just managing by those bigger objectives. Are they doing, are they reaching those? And if they are, great. You don't have to get down into the little nitty gritty of everything they're doing, 
no one likes someone standing over their shoulder, mm-hmm. letting, you know, and wanting to know what they're doing on every little thing. So, I mean, we've heard from so many major gift officers who have that kind of micromanaging manager and how awful it is yeah. for them to, to actually do their work. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would say that uh, managers who per, prefer to get results through their own efforts versus others is a huge problem with managers that we run into today. And many, I mean, many times what happens in nonprofits is that they make, they bring up their best major gift officer Mm -hmm. to be the manager of the other folks in their team. And that on the surface sounds like, well, that's a good idea. They know they're the best at this. They should be leading the whole team. The problem is, is that your best major gift officer is someone that gets results through their own efforts. That's their motivation. And now you're asking them to get results through other people. And that's very frustrating for that star MGO who's now a manager to to work with. And that happens all the time. We make the mistake, you know, CEOs and executive directors make the mistake all of time, all the time of making their best major gift officer, the manager. It's a completely different thing. Let me break that down a little bit more because I don't know if it's always clear. It's like, I would get my juice from my work. I love, makes me excited and I'm motivated because of the stuff I personally do that's creative, that's interesting, that's efficient, all the things. To then have to get work done through other people is a whole different skill set. That's people stuff. People stuff is really hard. And this, this, the skills are not transferable. I have to learn a whole new set of skills and that has to be motivating. Like to see someone grow and learn and expand and move things out of the way for them and see them be successful Yeah, is a different piece. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another one I see is those managers and leaders who are just going after the money and mm-hmm. they don't understand fully that this is about building relationships and that this takes time. And so what that ha- what happens if they're just focused on the money and usually the manager leader who's focused on the money is getting pressure from something else saying, you need to bring in this money. So they're passing it on to their folks. You got to bring in this money. So there's it just keeps cascading down to the MGOs. And so what happens is the MGOs are frustrated because they're always on edge. You know, they're, they're just going after um, the donors that are going to bring in the most money, they're going to skip the relationship part and it's going to be a disaster long-term. Mm-hmm. And so we see that often where managers are pressuring their frontline staff to just get the money. Um, there's just not an understanding that this is about relationships and relationships take time. Now we all know because we've been doing this a long time, Karen, that the money is the result of all of that good stuff. But I don't know what it is. We're so like, we got to do it now. We've got to bring it in. And so we get pressure and that pressure gets handed down to the MGOs. It's a real, it's a real gift to be able to stand in the middle of that pressure. It really is. So you're getting pressure to bring in the revenue. Yeah. And just talked to someone the other day, they were a little behind on revenue and the leader was like, okay, all board members go out and make these asks and do these things. And 
there is all this, you know, it's very natural, right? We're behind. Oh my gosh, let's do something. Let's do it now. Let's do it immediately. And, you know, this leader was standing in that gap and, and saying, wait a minute, let's just pause. Let's take a breath. Here is what we have in the pipeline. What's going to be happening? What's potential? Here are some ways board members can support the relationships that, that are happening. But if we just go out and do these yeah, you know, out of the blue, let's ask for $50,000, right? it's going to harm relationships. Absolutely. And I think finally, and this kind of covers all of it, but it's those in, ineffective management strategies. So it kind of goes back to what you said at the very beginning, how you know, we just expect, you know, you bring in a manager, they're just going to know what to do. Um, and I I would say in the nonprofit space, and even in the for-profit space, mm-hmm. managers are not trained well. They're put in these positions and they haven't had good coaching prior. They haven't had the training. What are, you know, these are people jobs, and if they're coming from, especially if they're coming as an MGO who's out there um, just trying to, you know, build relationships with donors and trying to, you know, get those great gifts, they're not, they don't know what to do when they have to do, get that same result through other people. And so they do stupid stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's not their fault because they haven't been trained effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first place. So I think that is what, uh, those are some of the things that we see in ineffective managers and leaders. Now, Karen, I know that you've done some extensive work with leaders and managing managers in your coaching. So what are some of the challenges with being effective as a leader that you've seen? So I want to go back to the trust piece for a minute, Jeff. Okay. I think it's a challenge to even know what that means and how to build it. So let's just break that down a little bit more because obviously you have to have competence as a leader in your area. And so building your competence is important. I highly recommend Jeff and Richard's book. It's not just about the donor if you're interested in build because that's everything you need in there for a system structure metrics to be, to run an effective individual fundraising program. Um, What's interesting is you can... You can have the highest competence, but if you don't have trust and people don't trust, you're not going to be effective. Right, so right. really your trust is even more important than your competence. And even in studies, right. they've seen that that people are more effective if they're trust builders, right? So Stephen Covey talks about this in his speed of trust. He said it takes longer and costs more to do everything when you don't have trust. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, a leader comes in, there's no trust. Yeah. They're feeling like I've got to prove myself and show that I have value, which is ego-based, not really about, you know, yeah. wanting us to be yeah. successful together. And they start making all these changes and people don't trust what they're saying. They don't trust the new systems. So they're resistant and they're, they're discount like 20 yeah. to 50% of what you're saying. Yeah. So it's like, you're dragging people through water the whole time. Yeah. And so there's a cost to that. It's exhausting for you. There, there's no flow, there's no collaboration, there's no creativity, there's no possibility. And so I think that is one of the biggest challenges for leaders to think about how do I really come in and do that as a leader with my team and what does that look like? And yeah. so I think I'm going to sh- shift what I think that looks like, Jeff. And I think it starts with that self-trust. Yeah. 
And we talk about this, you know, both of us are on our own journeys of continually doing our own work. Like, who am I as a person? Um, How does that show up in the landscape as a leader? For example, um, I'm going to have automatic thoughts and responses and actions that come from triggers of my past experiences. That's right. How did those get in the way of me bringing my presence and authentic self? Like, let me unpack that and know that. And that takes, it takes work, takes other people coaching, helping, um, counseling therapy. Yes. Yeah. We have all done all of it. And a couple stories about that is, um, years ago I was doing facilitating training in the corporate sector and my co-facilitator Hassan, I asked him, you know, how do I come across as a facilitator and leader? And he said to my shock, well, you're kind of an ice queen. And I was like, horrified. I'm imagining that I'm this warm and connecting and creating safe space. And So then I went on a journey, like, why would I be seen? Why would people experience me that way? And it was all about where I went under stress. And I just popped out of my body, you know, that fight and flight. I was in flight. I was just not there. And so, you know, that broke down trust with anybody I was wanting to communicate or work with. So learning what that's about, learning tools to manage it, even tools like if I don't eat enough protein, (laughs) I can't be present in important meetings and trainings. And so I'll start to go to a spacey place. And so you learn to self-manage. Another example would be Ron. I was doing some training and Ron realized, you know, I, my, my, my reaction about wanting to make things right or good is to run all over everybody, move it, run all over everybody, make it happen. That's my go-to way of being from, from some of my past, not really my authentic self. And so the very next day he went into work and said to a colleague he was supposed to collaborate with, you know, I got to say, I learned yesterday just how much I run over people. And I realized we're supposed to work together and I have not been listening. I've not been present to who you are or what your ideas are. I've been just trying to run all over the whole thing and it's not been working. And so I'm here today to listen and their whole relationship changed. Wow. So these are pieces that are critical. Um, It takes humility. It takes courage, right? You got to be willing to step in there and look at those things. But man, it's life-changing for not just work, obviously, for all the relationships. So having people in your life that hold up a mirror, that that ask good questions, that provide tools um, can really help you be more present, show up and build that trust. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's flip the focus here some more. What are the... Jeff, talk about what is it that leaders and managers need the most to be effective? What, yeah. what do they need to create? Yeah, I would say they first need to foster a culture of learning with their team, that they're that they're always um, trying to encourage their people to learn more about their craft, to learn more about themselves. Um that they don't have all the answers, Mm -hmm. that they don't even have all the answers and that they are also taking the lead and learning about themselves. Um, I'm gonna jump I think a shock to me, Jeff, when I started to see good leaders is how much they would find the smartest person that knew how to do something and go to them and sit at their feet, humbly asking questions. Yes. Oh, that's what being a leader is. That's really different than like, I have the answers and know what's I think going. that's a really good point, especially for new leaders and managers. They're put in this position and now they feel like I've got to know it all. Mm-hmm. I know it all, or I've got to appear to know it all. Mm-hmm. And so they 
come across as very authoritative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the staff knows they don't know it all, <laughs> right? And they don't trust you. <laughs> and, and so coming in with this culture of learning means, hey, I don't know it all, but I'm learning and we're learning together and I'm trying to lead that way. Mm -hmm. um, so having that culture of learning is what makes success uh, for managers and leaders. And I think also adaptability, um, not being so rigid. I mean, the worst managers I've had in my career are ones that, you know, are, nope, this is the way you do it. You can't do it any different. I don't want to hear it. This is the way we've always done it. And this is, you know, it doesn't leave for any creativity. Mm -hmm. So being adaptable, learning new things come means you have to be adaptable because things are going to change. Um, and if you're not someone that can handle change, you're going to have a really tough time leading people. Um, so being adaptable. Yeah. So if you, if you think being a leader means everything's going to run smoothly, everyone's going to do their job effectively, everything's going to be continually growing. Yeah. You're going to feel like a failure every day because it's going to be messy every day. Every day. Every, every day. day. And probably when it's really messy is when some of the great changes are happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think also fostering a culture that allows people to bring their true authentic self to their work. I think uh, that is, I mean, if you're a leader manager, that is probably one of the best things you can do is letting people feel safe that they can be who they are. Um, that, you know, you can have real conversations uh, with them, um, that they can talk about who they are with the, with you and not be afraid it's like the opposite if you can oh, ha, create that culture it's the opposite of a culture of fear mm -hmm. um so being able to foster that i think you know we talk about this a lot having a good uh emotional intelligence being able to uh, be able to tell what's happening with your team with individuals being able to read uh, their body language, be able to know what are they really saying. And that does take emotional intelligence. So as a manager and leader, having that is really important. So you really have a pulse of what's going on. And it's so amazing. And then being curious, not assuming what you think they mean, but be, like yeah. I remember being in a meeting and I was not having a good day. And then someone in our team called me up, Karen, are you okay? I was yes. like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like being seen and being yes. checked on and being curious about what's going on and what they yes. need. And it takes so emotional important. intelligence to be able to de detect that into some, in someone else and be able to say, you know, Karen's, Karen's not herself right now. I can, there's something happening and I just want to check in with her. That makes a great manager leader. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about this already, but they enjoy getting outcomes through others. Um, they love developing people. That's that's a key. A, a great manager is someone who is a great developer. Like I think the greatest um, profession who loves developing people are teachers. You know, when you ask a teacher why they love teaching, they always talk about how they love seeing their uh, students get something and learn from it. Uh, so developing people and always looking for their opportunity to grow. You know, I've heard from some MGOs who have a great manager 
And they talk about how their manager is always looking for opportunities for them to go to another level and that they want them to do better, that they even say to them stuff like, hey, you're not going to be here forever, but mm. I'm going to help you grow in your craft mm. so that 10 years from now, you can be working for a bigger organization or you know what I mean? It's like those kind of people you want to be around, you want to work with, you um, you want as a manager. And then I think the another one is, is that you're not afraid. If you're a good manager leader, you're not afraid to hold people accountable and provide difficult feedback. Mm -hmm. I think this is a big one. Um, I myself, <laughs> I have a personality. I like to avoid conflict. You know, talk about childhood traumas and all of those things. So that's something that I've always had to deal with. Um, trying to run away from hard things or any kind of conflict. And I've had to make a conscious decision throughout my career to say, no, I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to talk about the difficult things and it's going to be okay. And I've had many opportunities where I've had to do this <laughs> in my career, uh -huh. but, and it was very difficult, but every time it got better and better and easier and easier for me to understand the power of being able to have real conversations with people about difficult things mm -hmm. and to stay in it because the, uh, once you get out of it, it's, you go to a much better place, but I see so many, so many managers and leaders who don't hold their people accountable and tell them difficult things. And you're actually doing those people a disfavor. I mean, it might, you're avoiding it and you're thinking, oh, I can't hurt their feelings or whatever, but that actually does them a disservice. Mm -hmm. And like the story you just told, Karen, about how someone said, you know, you come off as an ice queen. Mm -hmm. Had that person never said that, you would have never gone down this journey of trying to figure out what that was. Yeah. Now look where you are. Compared I've been to ice queen for 10 years at least. <laughs> I know. I know. See what that person did for you. Now that was probably not easy for them to say that because who knows how you could have reacted to that, right? Yeah. Um, and that was a beautiful thing that they did. It, you, it was a gift. And that's, gift. that's how I have now kind of taken that. You know, I've had to make some, there were some hard decisions, like even this year. And my first reaction is, oh, I don't want to have this conversation. Mm. But I'm like, no, you need to do this. This is going to be okay. And at the end of the day, it's going to, it's going to take us to a different place. Mm -hmm. And it's been a gift to be able to give that to another person, even though it's difficult. And so when we're working with our folks, you know, we're working with over 200 major gift officers, mid-level officers, plan giving officers every day. We have to have some really tough conversations at times mm -hmm. and it's not easy, but it's making them better and it's helping them become a better person, a better major gift officer because of that. What would you add, Karen, to that? I think, and just thinking about that, why he could say I'm an ice queen, even though I was like, eh, at first, why that worked is because I knew he came from the right motive. 
right? It was a, he cared about me. It was for my success. It was for the right things. It wasn't to take me down some notches so that he could feel more powerful, which was what happens in a lot of places, right? Someone's got to, got to keep knocking you down some notches because they're insecure about who you are. Yep. So being able to hire and work with the smartest people you can find and when you feel intimidated, check yourself as a leader, right? And come from the right motive, like Jeff was saying, is I want them to be successful, can can take, oh my gosh, take you so many beautiful places. Yeah. I think another piece too that um, Joyce McDonald from Greater Public talks about is she takes responsibility for all failures and mm-hmm. all successes. She gives accolades to her team. Like that's how she is as a leader. So to know I that your that. leader is going to back you Yes. When they're talking to other people about what the team's done or whatever, yes. they're not they're not throwing you under the bus. Yes. You're going to work so hard to make sure they never <laughs> to take that hit for you, right? And you know what? Everyone that works with her loves her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's works under her loves her leadership. And I mean, when you have a leader that does that, talk about building trust with her team. Wow. People will do anything for her. Yeah. So a story on the opposite side, recently talking to someone in an organization, um, her leader basically assumed worst intentions. I think that's another piece Mm. is assuming best intentions. So looked at some data of a big, you know, $2 million gift that had come in Mm -hmm. and didn't see a lot of activity after the gift came in from this um, gift officer. Yeah. And so talked about the gift officer with other people made assumptions mm-hmm. that she was not doing her job, talked about how they need to go get more money from this donor. This was not right because they have so much capacity. And the real story was this donor was actually very, very ill and had asked for no contact. And so if that leader had come and said, hey, I noticed this, you know, these people have a lot of t- potential. What's going on? Doesn't yeah. seem like you're taking care of them. I know you really do. So, you know, tell me what's what's would have been like a whole great conversation about how we're really serving this donor. Instead, that leader had worst and worst assumptions was not about that that person being successful. It was all about themselves having something to show they have value, right? Yeah. So that would be the opposite yeah. of what we're looking for. It's really about um knowing that. You, not needing to prove your own value by belittling others. And you're actually proving your own value by everyone growing and being the best they can be. That's how you prove your value as a leader and a manager. Love that. Awesome. All right. So what are some action steps, Jeff? Let's leave with some of those. We talked about a lot of different things today. Okay. Let's leave with like three major action steps. So people can take this. Okay. What can I do? Number one, and we've been talking a lot about self-care, self-management. Mm-hmm. To you know, really develop your ability to bring your best self and presence. It's this balance between doing and being, you know, managing your own fears, working on your own issues. So all the things you need to do to deal with. Look, we all have traumas coming out of our childhood. We've all had things. We need to work on all that Mm -hmm. or else we're going to bring those negative stuff to your team. You will working on that constantly. You know, Jeff, that can be as simple as getting sleep. Oh yeah. What are you you pouring back into yourself? You cannot keep pouring out. 
and all patience, all creativity, all openness, all confidence, all things that are your gifts or tools will be gone. That's if you're right. not rested, exercised, eating, what all of those pieces are just as valuable to your leadership. Yeah. Okay. So that's number one, take care of yourself. <laughs> Next, go in with a mindset of, of helping those you're managing to be successful. That's your, that's your whole mindset. You want everyone you're managing to be wildly successful. So believe them, <laughs> have the best <laughs> intentions that they really are doing what they say they are going to do. Unless you find out later they're not, then you need to have, have hard, hard conversations with them. Um, but you're always asking, what do I need to do to help them be successful? What are the barriers I need to remove? You know, there's all kinds of barriers that happen externally, internally with your organization. You know, are you is is the culture that you come into where the major gift officers are always doing other things other than working with donors? Rem Stop that practice. Mm -hmm. Get your leadership team to realize your major gift officers, your mid-level officers are focusing on donors, not, you know, tearing down tables at an event. So remove those barriers, start acting on those, and then really communicate that to the, your whole team. It's, if that is, I mean, that will build trust with your team if you can start to do those things. And then I think the last one, Karen, is having open communication, both good and the bad stuff, being able to be honest about what you're doing and if you yourself are running against a system that you're not able to make change right away, you yeah. talk about that with the team. Mm -hmm. Let them know, hey, I'm working on this for you, but I'm running up against some tough things with the executive team. Um, they're not they're not there yet, but I'm working on this for you. But I want you to know it's not going to happen overnight. I think everyone would be able to appreciate that. So. I think those are the three main things. You know, going back I, again, self-management and care, going in with that mindset of helping those you're managing be successful and then being open with your communication with everyone. I just want to add to that last one, Jeff. I, I think sometimes as leaders or managers, we don't want to hear what people's problems are because we think we have to fix all of them immediately to have value. Yes. So then we don't listen. Yes. <laughs> But if we listen to understand and then communicate what we can and can't and why, yeah, that's what people need. So I love that last point. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining me, Karen. And we hope that you all got some great tips for how to be effective and impactful as a leader and a manager. And if you'd like to learn more about how we can support you as a leader and manager in your work, we'd love to connect with you. Just click on the link in the show notes to schedule time with my colleague, Amy Chapman, to learn more about how we can partner with you to help you and your organization make even a greater difference in the world. So take care and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for the Nothing But Major Gifts podcast from Veritas Group. Richard and Jeff also write an ongoing blog that you can subscribe to for free at veritasgroup.com. Please join us again next time.